right? Understanding that you make space for those nutritious foods most of the time. And you leave some flexibility to in, include some of the other foods that we know may not be as nutritious, but they serve a different purpose. Food is not always just about the, mm-hmm. the uh, nutrition side of it. Some of them feed your soul. It may help you uh, cure homesickness. You know, there's several ways that food function in our lives, socially, emotionally, in various ways. So we make space for all of that and we embrace it and we understand that. Friendly reminder, this is your last chance to sign up for one-to-one coaching before prices increase in August. Book your free 30-minute consultation through the link in the show notes to get started. Welcome back to the PCOS Holistic Coach Podcast with me, Dr. Ami Patel, pharmacist, fellow sister, and coach. This podcast is an easy-to-listen-to resource for your busy, on-the-go life. You will learn how you can live a healthier and happier life with PCOS from real conversations about managing PCOS and the symptoms with amazing guest speakers. Welcome back to my channel. If you're new here, my name is Dr. Omi Patel. I'm a pharmacist, fellow sister, and PCOS holistic coach. Today, I'm really excited to have with me Amber Alexis. She is known as a cultural dietitian. Thank you so much, Amber, for being here. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Um, So a little bit more about Amber. Amber Alexis is a public health nutritionist and registered dietitian. She's certified in integrative and functional nutrition, also known as the cultural dietitian. Amber focuses on providing informative and culturally sensitive nutrition content for the Caribbean diaspora and alike. When she's not writing, creating content, presenting or consulting with clients, she enjoys traveling, quality family time and adventurous outdoor activities throughout her twin Isle home, Trinidad and Tobago. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. So it's so um, exciting to have this conversation you know you have such a diverse background and I'm really excited to get into it so let's get started well first of all how did you decide to become known as like the cultural dietitian like is that something you knew when you were studying like that's what I want to focus on or did it develop out of something it developed I did not know that this is the direction that I would have taken so I left Trinidad uh, three, four years ago now, went to the U.S. to pursue my master's in public health and my registered dietitian training. And it was during my internship that I realized, hey, something is missing. There's a disconnect Mm -hmm. between some of the dietitians and clients uh, or patients who would have had a different cultural background. And although there was a presentation about it in you know, one of our classes, it really hadn't resonated across the department with respect to how things would have been handled. Your hospital did an awesome job of having certain resources in place, but at the nutrition level, there was a major disconnect. And I felt this sort of patriotism and pride and like, these are my <laughs> things, these are my foods. And I wanna represent them and I wanna stand firm on them because the message that we needed to, oh, this is not healthy for you and you yeah. have to adopt something completely different. It just did not resonate with me at all. 
So it wasn't until after I completed my internship, I became a dietitian. I started to write a blog. I'm like, okay, I was stuck in the US for a couple of months because of the pandemic, couldn't get back mm. home. I'm like, oh, let me write a blog to pass the time. And I began this blog, started off as Amber Charles RDN, that's my media name. And then I'm like, you know what? I love the concept of balanced nutrition. Let me see. Now, I was mm-hmm. new to social aspects of social media, right? So I'm like <laughs> looking to see if there's a name out there, like a balanced nutritionist. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there are quite a few. Okay. And I kept looking at variations. I'm like, you know what? I want something that really represents mm-hmm. what I feel and what is the message that I want to send out there. I'm like, you know what? The cultural dietitian. Once you hear the name, it already sends a message of what you can expect coming out of my blogs, my services, mm-hmm. things that I'm going to be speaking about. It really embodies what I want to represent without even me having to open my mouth just yet. So it was <laughs> de- definitely an evolution towards figuring out the cultural dietitian, why the cultural dietitian and how important it is to me to send a message out there is a way to incorporate your cultural mm-hmm. foods without harming your health, in the pursuit of good health and without feeling as though these are bad things and I need to adapt something that's very unusual to me or foreign to me and it's mm-hmm. okay to learn how to use these foods so that's the evolution of the cultural <laughs> dietitian <laughs> that's so amazing and I'm really excited when I came across of your page because you know someone who is a first generation American, but my parents Mm. grew up in India. So at home growing up, like, you know, I always ate my cultural foods, you know, white rice, rotis, things like that. But then uh, living in America and, you know, being exposed to the Western diet, you know, that's when I, there's always like, I don't know, there's always that negative association, you know, with white rice and with PCOS, like, oh, carbs, you know, don't eat carbs. So I was excited that I came across of your page and you have such great content on how you can eat those things, which we will talk about. Thank you. And also I wanted to talk about or mention that, you know, like you said, from your experience, from a like dietitian perspective, when you were meeting with clients, like when I was trying to find like a couple of years ago, like a dietitian to help me with my PCOS. That was a struggle I had because I felt like, you know, they didn't understand the foods I ate. And, you know, if they were asking me to eat certain foods, I may not have liked it. And yes. like my sister and my mom, they actually both met with dietitians previously. And similar to what you were saying, like they, the dietitian didn't understand completely, like, you know, what the foods they were eating and how that fit into their diet. And then sometimes if they said, you know, you should eat something else or gave them examples and it was hard to implement because like, you know, my mom Mm. would have to make the regular food that they eat on a day-to-day basis, like for my dad, but then, you know, if she had to try to eat something else, it just wasn't like realistic or feasible. Yes. And I remember you mentioned that to me in a previous conversation and it's really an important thing to acknowledge. Hence, I always say cultural competence in the field of nutrition and dietetics is very important or cultural sensitivity, just being aware, but also not laying the blame on those who don't have that cultural exposure for not being able to make that translation, but also from a client's perspective of being aligned with someone who may have that cultural background similar to you and may be able to support you in a different way. Because even though we are speaking about not, you know, 
like we're defending our cultures everyone has a has a different cultures and yeah, being able exactly. to respect that okay you just sort of align yourself with persons who have that similarity and they will be able to translate that in a particular way but it's very it's it's very important what you find happening is that there may be a, a misinterpretation that a client or patient is being non-compliant based on the information that they've been given compared mm-hmm. to them being unable to really follow through with it based on how disconnected it is from their B2B activities, the foods that they are custom consuming. They also may not understand, well, how do I use this new food uh, mm-hmm. to support my health? So there's a disconnect there and that can sometimes be misinterpreted as non-compliance from the client's perspective when it's really just uh, you know, lack of understanding across both spectrums. Yeah. yeah, there's just like a lot of miscommunication, misunderstanding. It's not like, yes. like, you're said it, like you said, it's not like anyone is intentionally blaming or you know, saying anything yeah. <laughs> or like you said, the clients are being non-compliant. Yes. So then going along with that, so like how can someone understand that their food is like healthy or okay to eat if like, you know, in mainstream culture, we hear things that are not like, for example, like, you know, the white rice, the roti and ghee, even for like a period of time. I don't know, I guess people were saying that ghee has too much fat and things like that. Yeah. But now it's become popular, like, oh, yeah, you should have ghee yeah. for everything. <laughs> like, this has been literally part of like, you know, our Your culture, culture years and years and years. <laughs> yes. That I have that same feeling towards coconut oil. So yes, I grew yeah, up with coconut too. oil, and it mm-hmm. was like normal, and then it became yeah. this bad thing, and now it's like coming back, and I'm like, this <laughs> was my thing. Like this is what we use. We use it in our hair and our skin. Yeah. We use it to and cook, and it was just like there for everything. So I have that uh, that similarity with coconut oil, but in terms of someone understanding, I would say become curious about. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the nutritional information? Not just what's said out there, what's general to dietitians or even uh, healthcare uh, professionals, if possible, depending on where you are, who would have that um, background and can support you in that way to help you understand the importance of, you know, your food. So for example, I sent an email to my subscribers yesterday speaking about what we call ground provisions or tubers, things like dashi, notaro, and cassava, and mm-hmm. the fact that these are healthy foods that we can consume, they do fit into a balanced diet and you don't have to feel as though well, you have to replace it with something completely foreign because we don't understand the food. So getting an understanding and getting more knowledge about these foods help you to become more confident in the ways that they can work to support you. That makes sense. I think it got cut out in the middle. So you were saying, I think to summarize, you were saying like, (laughs) look at the nutrition content and what it is, as opposed to like somebody just saying like, you know, this is good or this is bad. And, and also consulting with professionals or people that actually know. Yeah, that, that will have like a similar background to you. So being able to seek out someone who has an understanding, has a demonstrated understanding of your culture and can explain, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is what it is. These are the nutrients that you can get from it. These are ways that you can include it in your diet and lifestyle and make it something that works positively for you and not just uh, see it as a blanket, black and white negative thing, but understand that there's nuance in everything that you do. Yeah, I like that. That's really important. Um, that's why I love seeing your content because it's just like, 
that's exactly like what you're posting you know like okay you can eat this and this is exactly how you can eat it so yeah yes. for those of you that are following her yeah definitely follow her <laughs> thank you so how can we continue to empower our audiences to embrace their cultural food ways without judgment? Yes. So I do think a major part of it is education. Again, work that I am doing, you are doing, other health professionals are doing, and sending a message out there that these foods are okay. These foods can fit into your, uh, your lifestyle. They deserve a space on your plate, as I like to say. They deserve that mm-hmm. spot on there. Like you get to embrace and reclaim your cultural foodways and understand that no, having a macaroni pie is not going to be so detrimental mm-hmm. to health goals or roti. Personally, I love roti as well. We have our own like East Indian, West uh, African fusion here. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. But having those things fit, right? Understanding that you make space for those nutritious foods most of the time. And it leaves some flexibility to in, include some of the other foods that we know may not be as nutritious, but they serve a different purpose. Food is not always just about the, mm-hmm. the uh, nutrition side of it. The, the, some of them feed your soul. It may help you yeah. uh, cure homesickness. You know, there are several ways that food function in our lives, socially, emotionally, in, in various ways. So we make space for all of that and we embrace it. And we understand that white rice, for example, as you've been mentioning, I can add things to make mm-hmm. this white rice more balanced. So we've so we've grown so accustomed, or we've been told so many times mm-hmm, yeah. that we have to exclude, and you can't, and you can't, and we remove things. And you're like, so what am I supposed to eat, right? And sometimes the message is like, white rice is bad. Do we sit down and just eat white rice? No. So you mm-hmm. understand that I get to add my white rice. I add my protein source, which may mm-hmm. be vegetarian or animal based. And I stuff up on my lovely vegetables, which can be fresh. It can be cooked. It's the same way we don't have to have a salad diet. You can mm-hmm. combine these things in various ways, cooked vegetables and ways that you enjoy. And you sit and you enjoy that white rice with a complement of other nutritious foods and understand that, hey, this is balanced. I'm able to incorporate these things and it's okay for me. And once you gain that understanding for yourself, even when the little naysayers come, you're like, I understand what it is I'm doing. I know why it is I'm doing what I'm doing. And I feel confident in choosing my foods every time. Yeah, I think that last part you said is really key is, you know, you should know what you're doing, whether whatever choice you're making, like, you know, stick by it and you should know it so that when other people are incredible well maybe not encouraging you or saying things like oh I thought you were on a diet why are you eating that oh you know that's not healthy for you then you know that you know you're making the choice because you understand that hey I can eat this and it is still healthy because I'm eating this meal as a whole like you said you know with the protein and the veggies and the fiber and the healthy fats (laughs) yes <laughs> yeah, that's that's um very important. And there is still a lot of peer pressure even as adults and in the dieting world and diet culture world, you realize that you can get food shamed as much as you can get body shamed. So it's really important to have that uh security in what it is you're doing and of course seeking the appropriate support to do so. Yeah, definitely. No, that's really important. And how about you? How have you been able to navigate like your uh, clientele with you know supporting cultural foods and PCOS how has that been for you 
Great question. So like you said, you know, kind of evaluating what the food really is, like looking at, um, like, is it a protein or is it a carb or is it a healthy fat or is it filled with fiber? And then seeing that, um, seeing if there's a way that we can mix multiple things, like, for example, paneer, I don't know if you know what that is, paneer. So sometimes there's lots of recipes that have paneer, but then they can also add in like keep half paneer and then maybe add in like half tofu and mix mm-hmm. it together so that, you know, you can increase the protein content, but you still get the taste and you can still mm-hmm. keep the gravy as is, but you're just increasing like the protein content a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then like other dishes like dosa, if you were familiar with that, it's basically like, um, go ahead. That bread, is it? It's like kind of, it's like a really big like rice based batter that's like um, cooked on the stove and it's like really, really thin and crispy. And so that like, there's other options for that. Like, you know, you can make it with like quinoa, but it doesn't taste as good. And sometimes it's not always feasible, right? Like if you're going out to eat or if you're in social gatherings with family, then you know, most likely that's what's going to be there. Mm -hmm. And then with that, it comes with like uh, potatoes primarily, which is of course also another big like, oh my God, potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) But that's also eaten with like coconut chutney. So, you know, that's where you get like the healthy fats from. And then um, the sambar, which is made of like lentils primarily. So then, you know, I teach my clients, like instead of them being like, having the idea that, oh, I can't ever eat this because it's only potatoes and white rice, but, you know, having them understand that, you know, you can still have that, but maybe just have a little bit more of like the lentils and the coconut chutney, or instead of just potatoes, you know, add in some more vegetables, like you were saying. Yes, I agree. So it's just learning how do I rebalance or re recalibrate mm-hmm. some of these meals to really support you. Yeah. And I think that's like really key in what you're doing. And, you know, what I try to teach my clients as well is like something that's sustainable, right? Because we don't want it to be like, okay, here's, here's like this diet plan for 12 weeks. And then after that, good luck. (laughs) Because, (laughs) you know, like you're saying, because food is like makes up a lot of social events and holidays and family gatherings and traveling and so yeah, it's just it's, it's multifunctional. I agree. I absolutely agree. And um, it's very empowering as a as we will discuss, it's very empowering for someone to be able to look at this plate and say, hey, what can I add? One, two, how can I, you know, enjoy these foods without feeling guilty? Because we've been really driven to feel guilty about our uh, food decisions, which in turn take us down a really bad rabbit hole when it comes mm-hmm. to getting out of that psychological bind yeah definitely and then I think what you said was um yeah making it sustainable basically and empowering making it sustainable yeah Yeah. definitely well those were the questions I had was there anything else you wanted to add in that you feel like would be important Mm So I think on the note of sustainability, it's important to understand that when we think of building a sustainable habit, using what you have access to really supports that. A lot of times when you get into a new diet, uh, especially something that's going to be foreign to you or foreign food, it's difficult to stick with because 
that's not what you are accustomed to. Maybe the prices may be uh, you know, more expensive than your the, the other foods that you have access to, maybe the taste, the flavor, just the thought of I cannot have something else makes it very difficult. So when you think mm-hmm. of building a sustainable habit, I think it's important to know that it's going to take some time. You're not going to get the quick and fast results that you may get in other um, with other programs, but understanding that using what I have, what I have access to, as I like to say, what's in your backyard, making mm-hmm. that work for you is where that sustainability comes in. So it doesn't come in by you being able to stick to this very restrictive style of eating for the next three months. That's not what it means. That's a cycle and it's a cycle for a reason. So building that sustainable food habit is really built into your cultural food way foundation and building on top of that. So you don't have to look everywhere else mm-hmm. to get what it is you need. It's already there. Just continue to educate yourself uh, remain consistent and commit yourself to the long haul of what that's going to look like to you. So that's yeah, my that's biggest takeaway on building a sustainable food habit. <laughs> what you said about like focus on adding instead of like eliminating. And, you know, that's yeah. really key too. Like you said, start with the foundation of what is already around you and then focus more on adding like adding a variety of vegetables or things that you think you didn't like when you were a kid and you haven't had it in 10, 15 years, then maybe consider trying it again, right? Like adding that in as opposed to being like, okay, I'm going to cut this out, cut this out. And like you said, having that, I think, you know, mindset, like making it, you know, enjoyable, tasty and focusing yes. on adding the like different varieties and trying different things instead of like oh I can't eat this or wh- how am I get what am I going to eat or I can't go out to this restaurant because I can't eat anything or yes. I can't go to this event because I'm stressed out about what I'm going to eat there yeah and that's very important because there are persons who may avoid social um, social gatherings or situations yeah. because of the fear around food and I do believe by adding, you empower yourself to embrace a social situation that may have been scary before, with mm-hmm. curiosity that allows you to say, oh, okay, how can I make this work for me? How can I feel confident in this? How do I feel comfortable? How do I nourish my body with foods that make me feel, you know, have more energy or just feel lighter and not too concerned about the, you know, maybe the sluggish feeling after it really is about becoming curious about what mm. you can get more of and sort of leaving that restrictive mindset to the side. Like, okay, I understand. I can't do too much of a particular food all the time every day, but right. hey, what are some of the things that I can add and really give myself some flexibility of what I'm doing? Yeah, and then that empowerment, like we are saying, that when you are in the social situations, you know, since you're comfortable knowing like, you know, what, what you're eating and why you're eating it, then you feel more empowered in those situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Well, if anyone wants to see your content or connect with you or become a client, how can they find you? You can find me on social media. That's Facebook and Instagram at the cultural dietitian. That is C-U-L-T-U-R-A-L. D-I-E-T-I-T-I-A-N. <laughs> Dietitian with <Okay>. a T. <laughs> and then on my website as well, www.theculturaldietitian.com. 
So it's all it's across the board. Email if you want to email me to learn more about my programs. You can get me at amber at theculturaldigestion.com. That's reserved for client communication, so it will be easier for me to find. And you can feel free to reach out to me. Uh, follow me on Instagram or, or Facebook and message me if you would like to get some information there as well. Awesome. And I will add that in the description as well. And um, once again, Amber, thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I think everyone will find it really educational. Thank you so much for having me, Ami. And hopefully we get to do this another time as well. Definitely. (laughs) And if anyone has any questions, leave them in the comments and we will get back to you guys. As always, be kind to yourself, be patient and focus on progress, not perfection. I'll see you guys next time. If you loved this conversation, please leave a review and share it with a friend. I would love to connect with you. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at pcos.holistic.coach. Send me a DM and say, hey, be sure to tune in to the podcast next time.